you know, we're looking at uh, Corinth. I mean, the Corinthians, Colossians this morning. Good start. Very good start. Should have had another coffee. Uh, we are in the book of Colossians over the, the next few weeks. And, you know, we're, when we're looking at this series and we're having a look at Colossians and, and what's happening there, and Paul really is writing uh, a letter to uh, the people of Colossae. And, uh, you know, he is kind of in prison in Rome, but he, he's encouraging the church. And you, you'll see through the New Testament, there's all these different letters that are, are written and, and Paul is, is writing to them. And really what's happening in the time and the context of, of where this church is at is that they're being influenced and have this great passion for Jesus. You know, the church has been planted and great things are happening. And I'd encourage you as we're journeying through uh, this series to even be reading through Colossians, maybe even reading through chapter one and, and you know, in this week and just beginning to kind of immerse yourself in the, in the passages and, and beginning to kind of see for yourself what's happening there. But we see that Paul is writing them this letter because... Really what's happening is they're being influenced not just by Jesus anymore, but by some other things around them. And so you, you have a look and there's uh, basically there's Judaism and, and Greek philosophy and they're part of the culture of the time. And so what they're beginning to do is kind of go, well, Jesus is great. And so what we, you know, and we're, we're passionate about Jesus, we're, we're, we're passionate about following him, this new way of doing things. And we're going to do that, but we're going to also just add a little bit of, uh, you know, some some good things here from some Greek philosophy and and you know uh, you know immersed in Judaism and, and all that. And so we'll just we'll just add a little bit of that in. And they're beginning to kind of add some things to what is happening in their relationship with Christ and what they're doing as a church. And Paul is basically writing to them and saying, you don't need to add anything. In fact, actually, all you need to do is is immerse yourself and follow Jesus, and there's nothing else that you need. And so all the things you're adding, all the things you're kind of being uh, swayed by and influenced by are actually just distractions. And so there's no need to add anything. And that's where we've got to this idea of no plus ones. And I know for me, I, I don't know if you've ever been an awkward plus one before. I've certainly been one. And you know, you go along to something and you, you know, you're only there because of the person that you went with. There's no uh, real you know, need to be there. I don't know if you've ever seen this unfold before. I have, but you, you'll go to a, a family uh, function or, or, or a party or, or a wedding or a, a formal thing. And you, you, you see the plus ones there and the photos are being taken, like the family photos. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, there's, they, there's this moment where you go, I don't know if this plus one's going to be around for too long. And so I don't know if we want them in our family photos for the next 30 years celebrating this occasion. And so you'll see someone kind of ask the plus one to kind of just move to the side. So they're allowed to be in the photos initially. And then there's some awkward phrase, like now it's just the family. And the, it's often, you know, and then there's like couples in there that are married. So they're no longer a plus one. They're like part of the family. So they stay. But then the awkward plus one's kind of got to walk off to the side, like... And just stand there and like, well, you know, the significant others having their photo taken. I love watching that. I would not like to be a part of that moment, but I love watching awkward circumstances unfold. But the reality is, you know, the plus one is something that we don't want when it comes to our faith. We don't want to be adding things that are no good. You know, we're, we're in society, we're, we're all about the plus one. Can I have, you know, a coffee, but I'll add kind of weird almond milk or, you know, can I add a sugar or if you really don't like coffee, but you just like the idea of drinking it, you'll be like, can I have some caramel syrup in my coffee? You will not find caramel syrup in 115 ever. But we are all about the addition. We're all about adding. And it becomes like that with our faith a little bit as well. And this is what we experience for, for the people in Colossians that are being written to. Is he's saying, don't add anything else. There's no need for addition. There's no need to add. There's no need for a plus one. 
in this faith that you're living. You just need to follow Jesus. And so this morning as we kind of kick this off and as we begin this series, we're going to have a look at what it looks like to have a life that is shaped by Christ. And really, as, as Paul is writing in, in, these, in these verses, we're going to be looking at a prayer that he prays for them. And he, and, he, and he says this, I'm going to pray this prayer for you. This is a prayer that I'm constantly praying. Because he wants to encourage them and he wants them to, to build their faith. He wants them to live their life in such a way that is shaped by Christ. And as we think about that idea of being shaped by Christ, I know that our lives are all shaped by different things. Whether we realize it at times or we don't, uh, we are all being shaped by something. You know, at first when, we, when we're born or when we're growing up, the reality is we're shaped uh, by our parents or, or whoever it is that's raising us. We're, we're shaped purely by the influence, by no choice of what we have in front of us. The kind of values often that we adopt, the cultures that we grow up in, uh, initially what will begin to shape us. But the reality is for all of us, at some point we get to make a conscious decision to choose what will shape us. And you only have to look around for a moment in our culture where we live and the reality is you see that there's all kinds of things that will shape us. That we, when we look in the mirror, we'll see different uh, things. When we look at ourselves, some of us will be like, today my hair is good and I've got it going on. Other days you'll look in the mirror and be like, this is a bad hair day for me. Or, you know, I like this uh, outfit I'm wearing. Or I'm happy with where my current state of life is. I, I like where I live. I love the job I have. Or the other way around. But the reality is we're constantly being shaped by the environments that we place ourselves in, the decisions that we make, and the life that we choose to live out. And we have to make a conscious decision, I believe, to allow Christ to shape our life. As people who want to follow him, as people who want to put our faith and our trust in him, I believe we have to make a conscious decision to choose to allow him to shape us. Because there are so many things we can add, there are so many things that we can do, there are so many things around us pulling for our attention, that if we're not careful, we'll instantly be able to be shaped by those things. But I believe it takes work to be shaped by Christ. So we're going to have a look at a few things that Paul prays out here in this prayer to encourage the, the people that he's writing to that I believe are going to encourage us today in our walk with Christ that would allow us to be shaped by him. Does that sound okay this morning? Awesome. So we'll have a, a quick read in uh, verses not, 1, verse 9 and 10, and it says this. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. You know, the first thing we, we, we see here that we need is really a knowledge of his will. We need to actually have a knowledge of what God's will is for our life. And, and how we do that is through, through knowledge and understanding. Now, knowledge, you know, I used to think about that word. I was not a school person. And, you know, I used to think, what am I going to do with this year 10 maths when I finish school and go into the real world? Like, you know, you hear kids say that all the time. I don't want to do English. When am I ever going to use that? Then you read an email that they've sent you and go, you should have done English. You know, <laughs> but the reality is that there's the idea of knowledge for knowledge's sake. The idea of knowledge for facts. The idea of just knowing lots about things. Maybe it's just being smart. That's not the kind of knowledge that Paul is talking about here as he's writing. But really a, a knowledge of Christ, who he is, that it would be through his spirit that there would be understanding. It's a different kind of knowledge to just having facts. 
You know, we're, we're, when we're being shaped by Christ, the reality is we want to become more like Him. We want to know more about Him. We want to know more about what it means to be shaped by Him, to live by Him, to, to know Him. And the only way to get that is through the, the knowledge of His will. You know, there are plenty of ways when you think about it that we can get to know Christ. You know, reading His Word, praying, gathering, praising, worshipping, all the things that, that we do that increase our, our faith. But if we're not careful, that can just become like that knowledge that we're never going to use in the real world. To, to know His will, we need to know Him. You know, I, I don't know if, if you are like me, but often, uh, you know, you can get to think you get to know someone, but don't really know them. I'll explain. One of my, my favorite uh, TV shows is called AFL 360, and it's a sports show. Please don't zone out. This is a legitimate point. I'm not going to talk about sport. Uh, but, you know, for those who aren't sports fans, this is not sport related. But it's a sports show, and part of what they do in talking about sport is they, they interview different people on their show each week. They have different people every night, and, and the same people every week. And there's two uh, footballers that they interview every Tuesday night. Now, I feel like I'm mates with those guys, Jack Ringwald and Jordan Lewis. I feel like they're my friends. Because I listen to them every Tuesday, I watch them for about half an hour, tell stories about their life, uh, you know, about what they're going through, about how, how things are going, and, and sometimes it gets quite personal, and they're sharing personal stories. Now, if I was to bump into Jordan Lewis uh, at the airport or in a cafe, I would feel like I was his mate, because I know so much about him, yet I don't know him at all. And I feel like if I went up to him, and was like, hey, Jordan, how you going, man? I know the kind of response I would get from him. It would be confused. But I don't know if you've ever been on the receiving end of that as well. I have, and it's awkward. I remember being at a party and someone I like, kind of knew who they were started like, kind of talking to me and asking me about the facts of my life. And I was like, how do they know? This? I don't know this person. And then I started beating myself, inside, beating myself up going, I, I've met this person before and I can't remember them. And it must have been more than once because they know a lot about me and what's been happening and recent events in my life. And then I began to click on the recent events they were touching on and Realized that my social media feed was full of those things. And realized I wasn't a bad person, but I actually didn't know them. But they actually just followed my social media and were able to tell me everything about my life that I'd been up to. Obviously, I overshare, but all the things that I had been up to. And I, and I was like, you don't know me at all, but you know a lot about me. And you know, when we think about our relationship with Christ, it can be a lot like that, can't it? We can know a lot about what the Bible says. We can know facts. We can know different experiences that we've had. We can know things that other people say about Jesus, things that are maybe preached or, or that you share in your, in your journey groups and your connect groups and things that you pick up over time. But that doesn't necessarily mean we know Jesus and have a knowledge of who he is and his will. It just means we know facts. The way that we get to know someone is through experience, isn't it? That's why we're all about here at True North being involved in groups and teams. And, you know, that next weekend there's a women's retreat. And I guarantee you, if you go on that as a woman, if you're a man, you can't. Uh, you'll have to wait. Your turn will come. But to go away on a weekend like that, what happens is everyone comes back and they know each other a little bit more. And there's all these friendships. Why? Shared experience. You're in the same place. You're sharing different experiences. You're building relationships. We get to know one another. To have a knowledge of his will to know and have a deep understanding of who Christ is and his will for our lives, we need to share experience with him. We need to pray. We, of course, we need to read our Bible. I'm not against knowledge of, you know, from reading and, and understanding and people sharing. But the reality is we need to make that a reality in our lives. So that when someone says, what do you know about Jesus? There's a shared experience there. I've had an experience with him in my life. 
we watch baptism videos all the time. And so often the story is there as I had a real experience with Jesus and it changed my life. It wasn't, oh, I just read a verse and thought, oh, that's kind of cool. And now I have some knowledge that Jesus might be real. And it's an experience. We need to be creating experiences in our lives that help us understand his knowledge and his will so that we can live a life that produces fruit. You know, the church was, Paul is writing this to encourage them. They're not doing a bad thing. They're not, they're not doing anything necessarily wrong, but they're just missing this experience with Jesus. And what's gonna be produced in their life is what they're putting into their lives. And Paul is saying, don't add anything else. Don't, you don't need to grab the best of all these things. Just experience Christ. Know and understand who he is. And as you do that, the fruit that you produce will be good and pleasing to him. We need a knowledge of his will. Verse 11 says this. It says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. When I think about my life, two things I always need is endurance and patience. Certainly not a patient person. But, you know, we need to, to play this out, to, to be shaped by Christ. We need to be living in his strength. We can't do it by ourselves. I love that the two things when it talks about his strength is endurance and patience. I don't know if there's anyone out there that is this kind of person. I'm certainly not. I was a little while ago, but a fad person. Is there any fad people in the room that like you just jump on something for like a small period of time, maybe gaming or you try a new sport or, or growing up our youth pastor was an incredible fad person. And so we found that that's what we would be as well. Like one of the fads he had was like going to time zone, like gaming and he just loved it. And so we would go to time zone like all the time. And we spend all this money at time zone getting tickets and, you know, the ticket systems are right. You get like 5,000 tickets and you get like a bouncy ball. And so, you know, this was our life. We would hang out in time zone all the time. And then he would get a new fad and he'd move on. And due to the power of influence, we would move on with him. And, and I remember at one point, one of the fads in my life that I had was gaming, like kind of PlayStation gaming. And, and I had my kind of first job. So I saved up and bought a, a PS1, I think it was. or No, it was a PS2. That's right. It was the PS2. It was so expensive. It was a, a bad use of money. But I've continued that pattern throughout my life in Brian Consult. And they're a fad for a little while. And then I stopped playing them. But I remember we were really into it. Like a few of us, we were right into this. And it got late one night and we were getting tired and I was like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to take my PS2 with me. And the boy's like, nah, stay, we'll keep gaming. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. I'm too tired. Like, we've been playing for like 20 hours straight. I, need to, I actually need to go to bed. Uh, you know, I, I need to sleep. And he's like, you should try this thing called coffee. And I was like, I hate coffee. It's disgusting. I can't drink that. And he's like, nah, seriously, if you just drink this, you'll be able to game longer. And I'm like, that sounds like a plan. But I'm like, I really hate coffee. Like, it's bitter and it's gross. He's like, you know, don't worry about it, bro. Just load it up with sugar and it'll be fine. And I'm like, you're my friend, I trust you. And so he's like six sugars or something in this like cup of coffee and we're drinking it. We're like, yes. And like we, we kept gaming. It produced incredible endurance in our lives, but no strength. <laughs> it added nothing of value except that we hung out together. And, and then as a result, I'm now hooked on coffee. Now I've managed to wean the sugar down, but uh, the coffee has increased. So I owe that friend a, a, a great debt. Probably not. He, he owes me one because he's got me hooked on coffee. But the reality is there's this idea of the, the Christian faith needing patience and endurance. It doesn't just happen straight away. It's not a fad that we can just throw everything into for a, for a small period of time and then get bored and kind of move on to the next thing. Or that if you know, we can just do it well for a little while, we'll be okay. It involves incredible 
strength and endurance from him. You know, the great thing about it, the great freeing thing about this is that it doesn't take much of us, to be honest. It's all about his strength and his glorious power and his might in our lives and submitting to that. But if we want to be shaped by Christ, we need that strength. You don't have to look outside for for too long to realize that Christianity is not on the increase in our society, that the values of Christianity, the things that we hold dear to us, the things that Christ is shaping in our lives aren't necessarily what line up with our neighbors. And the reality is to to get through and and survive in this place and be a Christian and and be someone that, that makes a difference for Christ in this world involves strength and endurance. It doesn't mean you, you have to kind of go tell everyone else they're wrong or, or force your opinions on anyone else. But it's funny how quickly the, the outside distractions become additions to our lives. And, and Sunday church becomes a part of what we do. But being a Christian doesn't necessarily always become a part of who we are. Coming to church is not the, the end result for us as people of faith. It's actually about a day in, day out relationship with Christ and allowing him to shape us. And unfortunately, at times that involves being a little bit different to everybody else. Sometimes it means I won't add that or I won't do this or it doesn't mean I'm going to be boring. But it just means I'm going to be shaped by who Christ is, not by what everyone else is trying to shape into me. And we can't do that without strength. You can't do that without patience. So often I'll have conversations, particularly, you know, with, with the, the people that, you know, I lead our young adult ministry and I'll have a lot of conversations with young adults and They've kind of come out of their, their teenage kind of years and their, their childhood faith and they're making decisions for themselves. And it doesn't take long before the endurance sometimes can run out because the experience that they've had as a young person and the experience they're having as they see what everyone else is doing in their life doesn't necessarily match up to who Christ is. And then suddenly the experiences of what they're, they're doing and, and seeing in the world begins to shape a little bit more who they are than what their faith did as a child. But the ones who kind of carry through and, and survive those years, which are incredibly difficult as you're trying to figure out who you're going to be and what you're going to do and the, the decisions you're going to make for yourself, are the ones that live with patience and endurance in their faith. That whilst it sometimes is confusing and it's hard and it doesn't add up, they don't walk away from it when it gets difficult or when it doesn't make sense. But through patience and endurance and the strength of Christ, they continue to follow Him and it begins to work out for them as He begins to shape them as adults. And I think it's easy to look at that in a context of being a young person and figuring that out. But isn't that the same for all of us? That there's times in our lives where you just go, oh man, I feel like giving up today. Or I just feel like this isn't working for me or it's just too hard or, or this value that I've placed in Christ isn't, isn't working for me right now. And so I'm just gonna put it to the side. Living in his strength, his endurance and patience means you just continue to pick it up and continue to keep walking and allowing him to shape you. And it's funny that the more you do that, the noise on the outside becomes quieter and quieter and we're able to hear the, the, the voice of Christ stronger and stronger. We want to live in his strength. The prayer continues here in verses 12 and 13. And it says this, it says, And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. You know, this uh, little part of the prayer, I believe, is about being positioned for praise. You know, He talks about giving joyful thanks. 
and praising God. You know, every time we gather together, we take the opportunity to praise God. And we do that through, you know, serving. We do that through singing. We do that through our giving. We, we do that through spending time in the Word. But it's so important that when we gather together, we praise. That praise is not just a, a, a song at the start of a service or the end of a service. But it's actually an expression of Christ in our lives. And we realize that he, it is Him that has qualified us. That it's Him that has redeemed us. That it's Him who has saved us. It gives us something to praise about. You know, the, the reality in, in our lives is that we will praise what we desire. So often the things that we desire, we will praise, we will talk about. You know, often I find people who love working out, love talking about the fact that they work out. Like, you know, people who do, you know, like CrossFit or go to the gym a lot will, will tell you a lot about how they go to the gym and, and work out. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because it makes me think maybe I should do that too. So it's a good reminder. But the reality is they are passionate about going to the gym. Like if you meet someone who's passionate about something, they talk about it an awful lot. And the things that we're passionate about and the things that we do, we're going to speak out. We're going to speak about. It's going to be what we're on about. Sports fans are always talking about sport. Guilty. The, the reality is in our lives, whatever it is we're passionate about, we will praise. You know, a lot of what we're talking about this morning, what we're strengthened in, what we're shaped by, will be shaped by our desire the things that we want. And if we really desire Christ, it will begin to come out of who we are. Of course, we will want to know more about him. Of course, we'll be strengthened by him. And we will praise him. You know, I love that praise is about gratitude, not about obligation. You know, when we think about Christ redeeming us and rescuing us and all that he has done for us and how he wants to shape us and we want to live our life, we can approach it in two ways. You can approach it with obligation so I do this for Christ because he did this for me so that because it's the right thing to do obligation I do this for you because I have to mom tells you to clean your room you clean your room out of obligation I have to do this because it's part of the rules of my so I will do it there is no obligation when we live a life position to praise it's about gratitude you know when someone does something nice for you doesn't it make you want to do something nice back for them when, when someone shows you love and kindness, it makes you want to respond often with love and with kindness. Christ has poured his blessing out on us. And so we should position ourselves to praise. You know, sometimes we don't always feel uh, qualified to, to live this out. But I love it that it says he has qualified us. It's not about how good we are. I remember being on church staff for a few years and was working in our youth ministry and I loved it and I loved uh, doing youth ministry and I was doing that part-time and I was a, a part-time chaplain in a high school. And what I was discovering was that both of them were taking so much of my time that I, I couldn't do them both really well. Uh, and so I was always cutting something out. I was like, to go on a camp, I'd have to cut out some youth stuff and to, to get youth stuff done, I was leaving school kind of early. I'd ask them first, I wasn't just skipping out. But you know, the reality was I just couldn't do everything that I... I couldn't give them both my all. So I began praying like as a, as a good young person would, God, uh, you know, what do I do about this? Like I, I need both these jobs. I kind of need to survive as well. Uh, but you know, I, I want uh, to be able to do these really well and, and praying into it. And kind of a little while into that, our, our senior pastor came and kind of said, oh, would you consider coming on more days at church? I was like, yes, that's the answer. He's like, one of the things I want you to do is assist in our creative department. I'm like, that's weird. I'm like a youth pastor. I'm not at all like wired creatively. And he's like, just come in, support the person. That lasted a day and the person that was overseeing that at the time uh, moved away and resigned. And so they're like, we want you to run the whole creative department. And I'm like, what? 
like doing run sheets for Sundays can do that. And they're like, no, like the, the worship team. And I'm like, no. And then I'm like, oh, but I prayed like God, you know. So I'm like, okay, I'll just do it and see what happens. Not long into that, I'd gone to a conference and met some people there. And they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I work for my church. They're like, awesome, how good's that? What do you do? And I start telling them, I look after our youth ministry. And they're like looking at me and like, makes sense. Like, what do you do? And they're like, oh, we're on our worship team at church. And one of them's on the, there from the UK and part of this big church there. And she was the worship pastor. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I kind of do similar. I look after our creative department as well. She's like, oh, do you sing? I'm like, no. <laughs> she's like, do you play an instrument? I'm like, no. <laughs> Tried and failed many a time. And she's like, oh, so you're like one of those tech guys, you know, like can do sound and edit media. And I'm like, nah, like we have a sound guy that comes and turns on the desk for us on Fridays. And I get in trouble when I like, turn it off wrong, <laughs> and I like, the speakers go pop, and they tell me off, and they're like, so what are you doing overseeing a creative department? I'm like, I don't really know, <laughs> like, I just got asked to do it, so I thought I'd do it, I'm like, I don't know anything about anything, in fact, they're like, our team actually is so good that, like, all of them should be on staff, like, doing it, because they do a better job than me, probably, and then she's like, hey, come meet this guy, and like, telling her friends, and they're like, this guy, like, runs the worship team, but he can't do anything, and they're like, what do you mean? And I, I sat there and I felt so bad. <laughs> like, in, I was like so underqualified. There's these people who are international musicians and they're like, like gobsmacked about how unqualified I was to do the job I was doing. Until kind of like a mate of mine was like standing around. He's like, yeah, he's just a, he's a good leader. Is what he kind of said. I think he's trying to make you feel better. But he's like, he'll kind of just do anything. But the reason why he's there is to, to, to kind of look after people. And that's the, the calling on his life. And he's got this desire to see the church grow. And so I kind of walked away from that going, I feel a little bit less awkward now. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. It's just a different way of doing stuff. And you could see, like, the, they were still blank as to how you could, anyone could do that. Like, why would any senior pastor do that? <laughs> and the funny thing is, as I desired to serve Christ, it's amazing what's grown in my life. I'm going to sing you a song this morning. I'm not... <laughs> Not at all, I wouldn't do that. But the reality is the things that God has fed into my life, the desire that he has given me hasn't changed because it's always been his desire. The journey just hasn't quite played out the way I thought it would. And there have been times where I felt underqualified and thought I just need to kind of throw this in. Or there's someone better than, than me. There's someone that could do a better job and there always probably will be someone better that can do a better job than we can. But it's he who has qualified us. And our job is to praise him. Our job is to speak out his goodness and be in a position where we say, yes, God, and praise him. And the more we do that, it's funny the journey that he will take us on. We'll go to places we never imagined. He will do things through us that we never thought were even possible. If we would just praise him. And we're gonna take an opportunity this morning to, to sing another song. And I'm gonna invite the, the team up and even as we're doing that, I just think about our team who get here at like seven o'clock in the morning, some of them, some of them slightly later, <laughs> and then some of those slightly later than others. But not, that's not the, punctuality is not the, the issue for today. But the reality is they get here early. Why? So they can prepare a place for us to praise, that they can prepare an environment for us to be able to pursue the presence of God. These are people who are passionate Sorry to do this while I get you out. I should have done it while you're in the green room. But they are passionate about praising God. They are passionate about pursuing His presence. How do I know that? Because they will get out of bed when it's still dark on a Sunday morning, when it's cold, 
to come and learn and prepare songs so that we get to engage with the presence of God. Because they desire His presence to be in our church. There's a desire in their lives for the presence of God. And it's the same for us. As we desire what He desires, as we begin to speak out His praise, as we become passionate about Him, it positions us to be strengthened by Him, to know more about Him, for His will to become our will. And we become more qualified because of what He's doing in our lives. It's not about how smart we are. It's not about how many Bible verses we can memorize. While all that is good, it's about knowing who He is. It's about desiring Him and speaking out His praise. And so this morning as the the team lead us, I'm gonna pray for us in a moment. But I just wonder today in your life, if there's some plus ones there that you might go, you know what, I just need to push that to the side. Maybe you're gaining strength from somewhere in your life that isn't Christ. Maybe your number one source of strength in your life is not Christ. I'd encourage you to put that trust in Him. Maybe there needs to be a greater knowledge of, of God, of who He is of what it looks like to live like Christ. I would encourage you to begin to pursue who He is and His will for your life. Not so you can be better or be nicer or or, or be a better Christian, but so that He can produce the kind of fruit in your life that is good and pleasing to Him. And this morning, the, the great opportunity we all have is to be able to praise Him. And we can praise Him because He has qualified us. We can praise Him because He went to the cross for us. We can praise Him because really there's nothing else that we can do other than praise Him. There's nothing else we really even need to do other than praise Him. Because it's in His strength. It's about knowing Him. It's about pursuing Him. And so this morning, the one thing we can all do in response to Christ is praise Him together. Passionately pursuing His presence. And it's amazing even in these moments as we pursue Christ, what it opens up for us. The things He would speak to us, the things that we get to leave behind, that we can walk out of this place shaped more like Him, just because we're positioned to do so. But then tomorrow it'll be the same thing. What are we speaking out? What is He doing in our lives? What are we passionate about? What are we desiring? It's all gotta be Jesus. And everything else takes a backseat. There's no plus ones in our faith. It's only Jesus. Can we stand together? I wanna pray for us. And we're gonna sing this song. Actually, it's called All on the Altar and it just speaks exactly about that. It speaks about placing our lives before Christ, having a passion in our hearts to pursue Him. And I pray that as we sing that, we would leave with a greater sense that that's what we wanna do.